Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam Al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah na'hmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'aghfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina min sayyati amalina. Man yahdihillah falamudillalah. Wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides, there is none that can misguide him and he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray, there is none that can guide him except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al Hashimi al Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O oh, you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Alhamdulillah. Thumma alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. We have reached the final hadith of this great book. The 42nd hadith of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah. And... This is only by the permission of Allah Tabaraka Ta'ala alone. And we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to accept this from us. And we have to ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for his success in this world and the hereafter. My brothers and sisters, today's hadith is a beautiful hadith which is a poignant reminder for every Muslim. It's a reminder about the method of constantly coming back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and its importance. The hadith is عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الله تعالى يا ابن آدم إنك ما دعوتني ورجوتني غفرت لك على ما كان منك ولا أبالي يا ابن آدم لو بلغت لو بلغت ذنوبك عنان السماء ثم استغفرتني غفرت لك يا ابن آدم إنك لو أتيتني بقراب الأرض خطايا ثم لقيتني لا تشرك بي شيئا لا لأتيتك بقرابها مغفرة رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح The 42nd hadith is reported from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu said, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, Allah has said, O son of Adam, so long as you call upon me and hope in me, I shall forgive you for what you have done and I shall not mind. O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds in the sky and were you then to ask forgiveness of me, I shall forgive you. O son of Adam, were you to come to me with an earth full of sins? And were you then to face me without having associated anything with me, I shall grant you an earth full of forgiveness recorded by a Tirmidhi who said that it was a good and sound hadith. 
Now, this hadith, before we get into it, the hadith itself is the hadith itself is Hassan. The hadith itself is sound. Now, this hadith is very, very important uh, because part of this hadith is also found in Sahih Muslim. And inshallah, we will get to that which was narrated by Abu Dhar radiallahu an. Now, the first point about this hadith is the importance of dua. Now, dua, my brothers and sisters, is an essential pillar of this religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ghafir, verse 60, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ ادْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and your Lord says, call on to me, I will respond. Allah says, call on to Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond. And we have the famous hadith of Nu'man bin Bashir radiallahu an, who stated, Addu'a'u huwa al-ibadah. That dua itself is ibadah. Now dua has conditions, it has etiquettes, and we don't have time to go through all of them, but some of its conditions, first and foremost, is uh, a heart that is present and not a heart that is pre- preoccupied, and a heart that is hoping for a response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abi Hurayr radiallahu an says, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ud'u allaha wa antum muqinuna bil ijaba, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَقْبَلُ دُعَاءً مِنْ قَلْبٍ غَافِلٍ لَاهٍ The Prophet ﷺ stated, as narrated by Abu Hurair Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, call on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are expecting a reply. Expecting full-heartedly a response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept the dua of a heart that is preoccupied and something that is not really there. So this hadith shows us how we are meant to be in our dua. That when we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it needs to be with purpose. Yani, there is a difference after you pray, for instance, and you say, subhanallah, 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 subhanallah. Right? In comparison to when you sit there and you think about every letter that you are saying. Right? There's a difference. And you feel it when you actually, yani sometimes you're in a rush and you're doing it as you're walking out of the masjid. And there are other times you sit there. But when you sit there, you get that feeling sometimes, right? That feeling of I'm doing something right. And this is, I'm feeling the effect of it. Allahu Akbar, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Thinking, internalizing about every single word that you were saying. Now there's a difference between the two. One is your heart isn't present. Your heart isn't really there. The second is your heart is there in the moment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with every letter that you say. So, a qalb that is hadir, a heart that is present. And the hadith says that Allah doesn't accept the, the dua of someone whose heart isn't there. The, the dua of a person who's just staying it and his heart somewhere else, his mind somewhere else, that dua is not an accepted dua. Then the second is do not be hasty. Do not be hasty. So do not give up on dua because of a lack of a response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What you assume is a lack of response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Don't say da'awt wa da'awt and nothing happened. I made du'a, I made du'a and nothing happened. Don't say that. Don't give up on your du'a. You have to be persistent in your du'a. Al-ilhah fi du'a. Being consistently begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a characteristic and a trait that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. So do not give up on the du'a itself. And another very important part of du'a is obviously not asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something that is haram. <laughs> it seems like a no-brainer. But don't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something that you're not allowed to ask for. And I don't even want to give you the examples because there's too many there. And we're going to have too much fun with it. And it's we don't want to say it. So let's just say, don't make dua for that which is not allowed. So for instance, don't make dua that you don't get caught cheating in an exam, or that you don't get caught ripping the ATO. It doesn't work like that, right? Don't make dua in something that is cheating, stealing. Don't make dua for these types of things. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. Now, response of dua is of three types. Generally, there are three types of potential responses to a dua. The first response is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you what you ask for. Allah gives you what you are making dua for. You make a dua and it happens. This is the first type of response. The second response to a dua is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala averts you from it, takes you away from it and gives you something better. So for instance, oh Allah, you ask Allah to marry you to so and so. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of giving you that one, He gives you something better. Right? Because Allah knows that, for instance, there's a fitna in that, or whatever the case. So Allah doesn't accept your dua in the sense where you wanted what you got, you got what you wanted. No, He gives you something better than what you expected. That's the second. The third is that you don't get a response in this world, but you get a response in the hereafter. The response in the hereafter is that you get the rewards of your dua. All your sins are forgiven because of your dua. So in each of these cases, it's a win-win situation. In each of the possible scenarios, you didn't get your dua rejected. You got something for your dua. So it only makes sense to make more dua. To keep making dua. To the point where Aisha narrates that the Prophet says, make dua for everything. For everything. Even if your shoelace was to break, make dua for it to be joined. For the shisr, for the actual shoelace, idan if it breaks, make dua for it. That's how يعني, we deem it as minimal, right? But you are supposed to be reliant upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything. And dua is your communication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is from the protections that we have in this religion from any form of deviation. Why? Is because your relationship with Allah is direct. You don't have to go through anyone else. Your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure. Your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique to yourself. And your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is private. So you can actually tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever you want. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Ya ibn Adam, O son of Adam. Now, 
What is meant by this, what is implied by this, is the believers at any, t- any place, any time. The believers in any place and any time. So the believers who believed in Musa alayhi salam during the time where it was obligatory to believe in Musa alayhi salam and follow his command, they are included in this. And those who followed Isa alayhi salam in that time frame, which it was obligatory to follow all of his commands and his sharia, then they are included in this. And then when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came and his sharia was that which we have today and is obligatory to follow, then it is included under this. So something that is important to note is that dua, tawbah, whatever it is, is not accepted from a kafir until he embraces Islam. So a kafir could go and do a sin. A disbeliever goes and does a sin. And then he goes to his confessional. Right? He goes to a priest, he goes to whatever it is, and he does his tawbah. Do we say he abandoned the sin, he felt bad about it, he has a staunch connection to not wanting to go back to it, an azam, which we're going to get to what, what do these three means. So he's fulfilled the conditions of tawbah. Do we accept that, that this kafir is going to be forgiven? No. Tawbah is only for who? The believers. So over here, yes, it says Yabna Adam, but what is implied here is the believers from the children of Adam. Now, the Prophet ﷺ says, Now, you call on to me, you have hope in me, right? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I will forgive you for everything that you come with. And I do not care. So the two things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is hope and dua. You call unto me and you have hope in me. You have your raja in me, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this, we learn something that is very, very important, is that the one who calls unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has hope in him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him. Whatever he's done. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically makes a point to say, Wala ubali, and I don't care about what came before. I don't care. You come with this, you're forgiven. And this is something that is really, really important to understand that the maghfirah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for you to just to take. But you have to do the step. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't care about the actual actions what you do. He cares about how you respond to them after you make tawbah. Right? So, in this is a very, very important lesson that you have to have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and call unto him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the famous hadith, Ana abdi bi. I am to my slave as my slave thinks. If he thinks of me a certain way, that's how I'm going to be. But you have to be a abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that. You have to be an actual servant and slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which Allah considers a slave. So you can't be someone who's transgressing against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says, I'm of the close servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't work like that. You have to be who Allah considers his servants and slaves. 
And who are they? The worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Those who hold themselves in accord to the Quran and the Sunnah So Then in another narration The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says فَلَا تَظُنُّ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا خَيْرًا So do not think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Except that which is good Do not think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way Except that is good Right So over here When you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness Then you need to know and hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you Because that's what If you have that hope and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That is what you are going to be met with Yes? Alhamdulillah And that when you make this dua That there is no one other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Who can forgive you Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can forgive you No one else can forgive you So you have your complete hope In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his maghfirah Then When you come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And you come back to him being vulnerable right? You come in a state of vulnerability And you come back to him in this state in seeking repentance, then know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not turn you away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not say, you've come to me at my door, you've done what I have asked, go away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not do that. The one who comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him. The one who comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always respond to him. Now, when we look at this, we have to ask why. Because the one who comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can we be sure that he won't be shunned away by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We took this in hadith 24. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inni ala nafsi. I have made it impossible that I can do injustice upon anyone. I can't oppress anyone. So when Allah is telling you, come to me and I will forgive you, right? I will forgive you Then If he doesn't forgive you This is oppression So now we know Now we know That if you come to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala He will not oppress you Now When You ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala You ask At-Tawwab The one who constantly forgives You ask Al-Ghafoor The one who is most forgiving You ask Al-Afu The one who pardons You ask Al-Rahman Al-Rahim The most merciful The most gracious He will not turn you away This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We are talking about So over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says O son of Adam You come to me with your dua And your hope in me Then I will forgive everything that you have I will forget, give it all, and I don't care. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Ya ibn Adam, لو بلغت ذنوبك عنان السماء ثم استغفرتني غفرت لك. O son of Adam, if you come to me, right, and all of your sins have reached سنان السماء, so over here, عنان السماء, what it means is that as far as your eye can see in the sky, the highest point of the clouds, your sins reach all the way to the sky. It covers from the earth to the sky. As far as you can see. And then you came seeking my maghfirah. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy. I have forgiven you. 
If you seek istighfar, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy, Allah will forgive you. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bigger than any sin. Mahma kan. Whatever it is, the mercy of Allah is bigger than any sin. You will, however, have to realize that you cannot live this life being sinless. You are going to sin. Whether you like it or not, you're not infallible. You are going to sin. So now, you have to understand that even someone whose sins reaches the sky, in its vastness and the amount that it has, then you have to understand that if that person can be forgiven, inshallah we can too. And when you understand that you will sin, then you have to understand the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is a tawwab, the one who constantly accepts forgiveness, which means that you have to do something generally to seek that forgiveness. So it's a necessity of it that you sin. I'm not saying go sin for the sake of sinning. That's not what we're trying to get to. But what we're saying here is you're going to sin. But you have to keep coming back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a very famous hadith as narrated by Abu Hurairah where a servant sins. A slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sins. And then he comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his dua and he says, Oh Allah, I have done such and such, forgive me. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds, My servant knows that he has a Lord who forgives, so I forgive him. He forgives him his sin. And then time passes by and the same thing happens. He sins again and then comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says, Oh Allah, I have sinned. He acknowledges his sin and says, Oh Allah, forgive me. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats, My servant knows he has a Lord that forgives him, so I will forgive him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues this the third time. Sins again comes back, but this time he says that let my servant do what he wants, as he pleases, and I will forgive him. Ibn Rajab rahimahullah states that this means that as long as he sins, but comes back to him in dua and forgiveness, Allah will forgive him. As long as you keep coming back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be forgiven. Now, forgiveness itself, however, has conditions. MashaAllah, it's raining, huh? MashaAllah. Now, inshaAllah, barakah, right? Sayyib al ya Rabb. Now, what is forgiveness itself? We're asking, yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the person seeks forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Now forgiveness has conditions and we mentioned them before but this is the essence of forgiveness and the essence of forgiveness can come back to three for generally the things between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what are they? Uh, the first thing huh? abandon the sin that you do cut it off completely stop the sin completely abandon it, leave it the second, you were right. You have a sense of regret and hate for the sin itself. Right? So, 
subhana alladhi yusabbihu ar-ra'du bihamdihi wal malaa'ikatu min khifatihi you have a sense of regret over the sin that you've done and then the third is a conviction to abandon the sin to not go back to the sin not wanting to go back and imam an-nawawi rahimahullah states that if any of these conditions are missing then the tawbah is not complete so if you do something and you say ya allah forgive me but i'm still planning to do it on friday night it doesn't work oh allah forgive me oh i'm going to seek forgiveness after i finish it right oh allah forgive me and i'm going to come back to you when i'm 60 right all of these things it doesn't work why is because you haven't one abandoned the sin you haven't felt bad about the sin you're just doing it as lip service so over here the one who is free from these three conditions when it comes to subhanallah now subhanallah just thunderstorm off it apparently oh it's on uh, now something that is important my brothers and sisters is that when it's between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you have these three conditions what are the three conditions my brothers and sisters we took them just because the, the rain the thunderstorms everything's going on right now you abandon the sin you regret the sin and you have a firm conviction to abstain from the sin now if the sin is between the people and you need to seek tawbah then the rights of the people need to be returned you can't just steal money and say, Ya Allah, forgive me, and then run away with it and think that it's all sweet. Right? It doesn't work like that. You can't hit someone up and yani, take his possessions, do whatever you want with him, and then think that, oh, I just said, Astaghfirullah, and it's done. No, everything has to be returned. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. So this hadith, subhanAllah, this part of the hadith, it shows us the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. That he can forgive all sins, and as many sins as you come with. So anyone, whatever you have done, regardless of what it is, the nature of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives everything. But you need to seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And subhanallah, this does not decrease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way, shape or form. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives it out of his mercy. And this only increases him in his generosity. This doesn't decrease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in giving this pardon and this forgiveness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness, Ya Rabb. Dahak rahimahullah, he says, someone who is not forgiven when asking forgiveness, who is it? He asks for forgiveness, but he's not forgiven, who is it? He says, the one, and he's giving an example, right? It's a definition by example, but he says, the one who does zina with a, a lady, fornication, out of wedlock and remains with her and then says oh Allah forgive me and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says leave her do not remain with her and I will forgive you leave her and do not remain with her and I will forgive you and if you remain with her I'm not going to forgive you so here the person is still in that sin He's, maybe he feels bad maybe he feels that regret however if he doesn't abstain from it and completely cut it off, then the forgiveness itself is not complete. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for its protection. So if you do not abandon the sin, how can you expect the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Now, a simple question then becomes, 
يعني how do we seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and generally it is first you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you do thana of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you exalt him and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then you acknowledge your sin and then يعني, you don't hide from it you acknowledge the actual sin that you've done and the heinousness of it and then you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his maghfirah for his pardon and for his forgiveness and this can all be found يعني, this general يعني, method can be found in Sahih al-Bukhari with Sayyid al-Istighfar the master of repentance what is it? Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa huh? can't he use words there's a lot of rain Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta khalaqtani wa ana abduk wa ana ala ahdika wa wa'adika ma istata'at a'udhu bika min sharri ma abu'u laka bi ni'matika alayya wa abu'u bi dhanbi faghfir li fa innahu la yaghfir al-dhunuba illa anta okay oh Allah you are my Lord, there is no deity worthy of praise, worthy of worship except you. You have created me, you are my creator, and I am your servant. And I am upon your religion as much as I can. Upon, upon as much as my effort. I seek forgiveness from the evil that which I have committed. And I acknowledge your favors upon me, and I acknowledge my actual sin. So, have mercy on me. Faghfirli. And... You, there is none that can forgive the, fig, يعني, the sins except you. This is the master of istighfar and this is something that is very, very important. And this is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Because the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he says in the famous hadith by Allah, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness over 70 times. So who are you if you don't seek forgiveness and the Nabi ﷺ is doing it? Who are you? Over 70 times, the Prophet ﷺ, day in, day out, was seeking forgiveness. Why do you think that you do not need to? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness. Now, <clears throat> there is something that we have to understand uh, that when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness, you get plenty of rewards, not just one reward. It's reward over reward upon reward upon reward. So the first is that you're wiping away your sins when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness. You're wiping your slate clean. But then, not only do you wipe it clean, whatever was on that bad side becomes put on your good side. Right? Your evil deeds become good deeds. And then on top of that, you get an extra reward. What's the extra reward? Who can take a jab at it? Huh? That's a ibadah. That's the first and second part. What's the third thing? Remembering Allah, he yani can come in the first and the second. I'm, huh? Yeah, I need it's not. No. <laughs> come on, someone. I just mentioned something very important. It's connected to it. And that's, that's from the first and the second. The third is that you're following the sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. So you get a reward for that. Because you're coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through following the Nabi. ﷺ, so you get the reward of Al Ittiba. Following the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I had to get your attention from the rain. Now, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that if you come with an earthload, an earthload, بِقُرَابِ الْأَرْضِ خَطَايَا of sin. ثُمَّ لَقِيْتَنِي لَا تُشْرِكْ 
But you come to me and you do not associate any partners with me. You don't commit any shirk. That I will come to you with an entire earth load, the exact same amount of maghfirah. You come with the entire globe, the entire earth with sin, but you come back to me without doing any shirk upon tawheed. I will forgive you for every single thing that you have done. Now, over here, this is the dalil that a tawheed in its essence is something that removes sin, it is a source of forgiveness. Now, the one who is free from all shirk, major, minor, that which is hidden, that which is apparent. That is upon tawheed in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the hope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all aspects of worship. He meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this state, free from all shirk and upon tawheed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he will forgive him even if he had an earth load of sin. Imagine that. What does that show you? The importance of a tawheed. The importance of kalimat la ilaha illallah. The importance of being free from shirk. Now does it understand why everyone's saying tawheed, tawheed, shirk, shirk, shirk? Don't you want this? Who doesn't want this? Who doesn't want to be free from all sin? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb, and to die upon tawheed. The greatest blessing in your life is a tawheed. And subhanallah, this is something very, very poignant if we look at... Yani, this is the hadith that Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah chose to end this book with, a tawheed. This last line is the last line of the hadith. If you come with Tawheed, then you are going to be forgiven. If you are coming free from shirk, you are going to be forgiven. Imagine, yani, that means that this is the most important point that he wants you to remember just as you leave. That if you do everything, and you come with proper Tawheed, proper Tawheed, which in all of its assets, right, sifat, and you are free from all forms of shirk, major, and minor and you come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you this shows the danger of the one who falters in a tawheed that he doesn't have this same reward he doesn't have this forgiveness and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection with this my brothers and sisters we conclude the 40 hadith of Imam An-Nawi rahimahullah Now we took in this hadith the 42nd hadith and we alhamd, have completed it we have taken so far in the book 25 companions we took Umar radiallahu an Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an Aisha radiallahu anha Nu'man Bashir Tamim al-Dari Abu Hurair radiallahu anhum ajma'in Hassan bin Ali radiallahu an Anas رضي الله عن شداد رضي الله عن أبو ذر رضي الله عن معاذ رضي الله عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما أبي مسعود رضي الله عن سفيان بن عبد الله رضي الله عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عن أبي مالك رضي الله عن أبي ذر
رضي الله عن نواس رضي الله عن وابص رضي الله عن عرباد بن ساري رضي الله عن أبي ثعلبة رضي الله عن سهل بن سعد رضي الله عن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عن and عبد الله بن عمرو رضي الله عن now something that is important is that this book is a book that you need to keep going over this is a book that we have completed as being a short short explanation of this book here and wallahi even if we spent the next two years on it it would not give justice to what this book has inside of it all of these ahadith are fundamental to your belief every single one of these ahadith have things from the quran and the sunnah that support it these are the foundations of your religion this book has always been subhanallah the first book that the mashayikh and ulama always tell the students of knowledge to go back to after the quran 40 hadith now this book has many translations it has many commentaries and alhamdulillah we are blessed that we have finished this commentary from the best commentaries that I personally have benefited from in this has been the commentary of Sheikh Saleh al-Sheikh Hafizahullah, the Sharh of Ibn Rajab Rahimahullah, the Sharh of Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen Rahimahullah, the Sharh of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abbad Hafizahullah, and others. The best online Arabic commentary that you can find on this is the Sharh of Sheikh Uthman. Khamis Hafidahullah in Kuwait. Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen's commentary also is online and it is something that is very, very good and you can find it with the translations also. In the English, the best matin that you can find, even though it has its issues, is this yellow one here from Da'wah Corner. In commentary, if someone wants a very basic commentary on it, then the commentary of Sheikh Saleh Fawzan, Hafidahullah Ta'ala, published by Dar Makkah is probably the best intermediate uh, commentary on the 40 hadith. As for someone who wants to go into a deep dive, then the 40 hadith by Jamaluddin Zarabozo is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best commentary on this book in the English language, hands down. It's two volumes, and it's something that is very, very important. And basically, it is the closest يعني, translation of that which Ibn Rajab rahimahullah mentions in Jam Ulum al Hikam, in his commentary of the 40 hadith and his extension of it, of eight hadith. Now, the one who doesn't thank the people has not thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, before we conclude this final lesson in this beautiful series, we have to thank a few people. Uh, our beautiful Sheikh, Sheikh Nidal, Hafidahullah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him and his family. He was, يعني, after I graduated, was the first person on me, Anjad, actually on me from the minute I graduated, and he was on me to get involved in the da'wah straight in. So, Sheikh Nidal, inshallah, this is on his mizan, on his scales, this entire series, and the da'wah itself, inshallah. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and the brothers work tirelessly for it. Genuinely, the brothers work day in, day out and yes, he does have sleeping problems, that's a different issue 
but he is genuinely doing a lot of work across the day. MashaAllah, Tabarak Rahman. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect him and his family. Then, uh, my first and foremost Shaykh, my father, Shaykh Rafi'i, uh, genuinely he's my go to whenever I have any issue, whenever it comes to a hadith that I don't understand, when it comes to a word that I don't know how to translate, when it comes to whatever it is, there have been many yani, points of benefit that I have benefited from, from him and from the dua of my mother, Mu'adh. Now, also the thanks go to, yani, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless the brothers and sisters who have come in week in, week out. I don't know if he wants me to point at him, but I can see one here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect and preserve him, Ya Rabb. Uh, and the sisters, there have been some sisters who have been genuinely very, very dedicated to this class. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect them and bless their families and grant them happiness in this world and the next. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked, who is the most beloved to you? And he replied, who? Aisha, his wife. And so if you were to ask me, who is the most beloved to me? I'm going to say, my wife. Afra. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect her. I've only been married for about a year now, uh, just over a year. And genuinely, uh, I genuinely believe in something that is very, very important, which is sustainable da'wah. Da'wah starts first and foremost in your home. And the most important point of your da'wah is your families. Everything that you do after that is a point of extra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a command in the Qur'an Save yourselves and your families from the hellfire And alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, thimma alhamdulillah يعني, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me a family Who is very supportive and يعني, very sacrificing with my time There's a lot of effort that goes into preparing for a jahil like me Not like, mashaAllah, students of knowledge like you But it takes a lot of time to prepare these lessons and there's a lot of sacrifice that happens from the families of the mashayikh and du'at. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless them, bless their families, bless their offspring, bless their wealth and bless their time. Now, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for an increase in this world and, his, and the next. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this beautiful religion, for the complete sharia. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the knowledge of the Qur'an and the sunnah. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the beauty of tawheed. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of the favors that he has bestowed upon us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us goodness and success in this world and the next. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us beneficial knowledge and its understanding, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow this knowledge to testify for us and not against us on the day of judgment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for our sins, that which is major, that which is minor, that which is public, that which is private. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the shafa'ah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter us, our parents, our wives, our children into the paradise, Ya Rabb. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive the living believers and their dead, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure the believers, those who are sick, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help those who are suffering, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate those with burdens, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rid our hearts from all sickness and to grant us the best in this world and the next. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وجزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم 
warahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.